Welcome to Sunday School Discipleship Class. We are on the, what I call the ninth class of the term here. We are looking at the Westminster Confession of Faith. We call this Truth for Life. We are a confessional church, so we have a, a written standard of what we believe the Bible teaches on numerous topics. Our standard document is the Westminster Confession of Faith, which also does include the Westminster Larger Catechism and Westminster Shorter Catechism and all the documents of the Westminster Assembly from roughly 1640s to 43 to 49 they met. And so uh, we are walking, working our way through this. Uh, we have looked at the first seven chapters, just to quickly review those. Who can remember what the first chapter is about? First chapter of Westminster Confession, Lance. Sir. What's, the, what's it about? Westminster Confession of Faith, Chapter 1. Um, ah, Scripture. Ah, then, once we get Scripture handled, where do we go? Who is God? Then we go, what is God's eternal decree? What is His plan that is eternal, fixed, according to the counsel of God? Uh, election and all that's included in there. Fourth, and fifth are how God works that plan out in history, which is creation in fourth chapter, and providence in the fifth chapter. Sixth is the special act uh, in, in the providence of God, the fall, sin, and judgment that, that occurs, uh, and, which leads to the bad news of the gospel. And then the good news of the gospel begins with the covenant that God makes with man, which is the seventh chapter. And now every good covenant needs a covenant mediator, so that leads us into the chapter 8, which is of Christ the mediator. So with that said, let's take a moment. We're going to read one verse, and then we're going to uh, get into some praying before we start. So we're going to read 1 Timothy 2.5. 1 Timothy 2.5, it says, For there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man, Jesus Christ, or Christ Jesus. Let's uh, pray. Our God in heaven, we thank you for this morning. We ask that uh, you would guide us into all truth, that we would worship you in spirit and in truth, that you would reveal your truth to us. We are dependent upon you. We look to your word and we look to this uh, faithful summary of your word to guide us into knowledge of our Savior and Redeemer, our mediator, the Lord Christ. We thank you for his work for our sake, that he would uh, reconcile us, bring peace between sinners and yourself through the mediator Christ. We ask that this morning you would uh, enlighten our minds, illumine the scriptures that we might uh, behold glorious things in them. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. All right, let's get to it. Uh, so we're going to read the first section of this uh, confession, and we're going to talk about it. So we're just going to read the first section and talk about it. So number one, it says, it pleased God in his eternal purpose, chapter three, to choose and ordain the Lord Jesus, His only begotten Son, to be the mediator between God and man, the prophet, priest, and king, the head and Savior of His church, the heir of all things and judge of the world, unto whom He did from all eternity give a people to be His seed and to be by Him in time redeemed, called, justified, sanctified, and glorified. 
That is the end of section one. Uh, very rich section. Uh, I, I, I might, uh, I, you might have heard, I believe it was, oh, um, Cyprian. I'm going to just call it Cyprian. He said that all people are either contained, oh, no, it was Thomas Goodwin. All people, that's a whole different era. It's a Scottish guy, Thomas Goodwin. He said, all people in all history are contained on the belt of either the one man Adam or on Christ. There are two men in, his, in history, in redemptive history, in salvation history, Adam and Christ. And so we've got, you're either in Adam, you're in Christ. And I, I envisioned this, envision this first section as, like you, you, if you've got a boxing match and there's uh, the introductions of the boxers and the records and, the, and, the, and they all have nicknames, right? The titles, right? I remember Rocky IV when Apollo Creed is being introduced. He's the master of disaster, the, the Count of Monte Fisto, the, you know, the, the whatever you want to call him. He, he has this. And then Ro- Rocky standing next to Apollo Creed. He's like, you got enough titles? And you can actually look at this first section. And you'd be like, you got enough titles, Jesus? Because he's got a lot of titles. Uh, if you look at it, uh, he's chosen or ordained to be the mediator, right? That's, what, that's the, the chief title. And then uh, the chief mediator between God and man. This is God's will. And then you see all of these roles that he plays as the mediator between God and man. You see that? You see, follow me there. Uh, he's the prophet, the priest, the king, the head and savior of the church, heir of all things, judge of the world. You see there? You feel that you feel that this is this is who we have uh, on the on the on the battlefield of salvation. He is all these things. All right. So as you look at that, uh, I want you to ask yourself, you know, do you, do you think about Christ as mediator often? Do you ever run wonder around? Do you ever are you wondering driving in your car thinking, man, I'm so glad I have a Christ who is a mediator? Mm-hmm. Is that something that quick that comes to the front of your mind easily? Mediator. Anyone ever feel that? Mediator? Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you do. I mean, I I, I I just feel like that that word needs we need to we need to bring that word back. Is all I'm saying. I, I don't think I, I think it, if you polled Christians. Not many of them would say, "Hey, that Jesus, my mediator." You know, that's the the mediator. That's it's, it's the title of this chapter, chapter eight. So I think there's been like a a great loss of the usage of that term in the course of church history. I, I would just I would just guess that that there might have been that might have been more um, used in in older days uh, than than today. I don't see a lot of people going around singing and talking about the mediator as much as other things that we might call Jesus. So mediator, I want to bring it back. Uh, so the mediator. So looking at uh, the, the scriptures uh, confirming the section one statement that God was pleased to choose or ordain Christ as, mo- as mediator. Uh, first question is, what then is a mediator? What does a mediator do? Mediator. Anybody know? Well, the go-between. The go-between, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. right. Yeah. Anyone have any Examples of mediators in, in everyday life that you encounter? Everyday life? Everyday life. Stockbrokers? Stockbrokers? Union representatives, yeah. They represent all the workers of the union, their particular union. That's how it works. So you have a representative who works between the people and the authority, right? So there's a, a mediator. In that regard, and that's what that's what God has chosen and been pleased to do in Christ. 
is to choose and ordain him as the only mediator between God and man. And that's, what, that's who he is. Uh, that's, if you think about who Christ is, Christ is eternally the Son of God, but uh, God has ordained and chosen him to be the mediator between God and man and to work that out in history as king, priest, prophet, head of the church, savior of the church, judge of all the world. Uh, so there you go. So let's talk about the three offices of Christ. And, and where are those, what are the three offices of Christ? Prophet, priest, king. They're right there. You guys go around driving your car thinking, man, I'm so glad Jesus is my prophet. Jesus is my priest. Jesus is my king. These are other things that, that are the offices of the, of the mediator. And we need to bring those back. I think those are, those are falling out of usage, right? I mean, prophet, priest, king. Why do we need him to be our prophet? Because we don't know what God says. We need him to tell us what God says. We need, a, we need God to come to us and say what is revelation, what is true. And Christ is the, is the, the, the prophet. Uh, we need a priest, someone to, to bring us into the presence of God uh, by representation and, and, uh, and to be holy for us that we might enter into his presence by means of a sacrifice uh, and to uh, remove our sins away from us and to satisfy the wrath of God for our sins. A true priest, we need a king, right? A king who will, who will defend us, who will protect us save us, rescue us, our king who will, who will d- deliver us from our enemies, etc. So we need all three offices. And he's also called the head and savior of his church because we're thinking about how the church is governed, how we worship, all the things that are that is the life of the church uh, in that sphere. Uh, we are listening to Jesus. Uh, so if, for instance, the, the president or the Congress or the Supreme Court uh, do not tell us how to how to how to operate the church. Uh, what we do as a church is listen to the only head and savior of the church, Jesus, the mediator. Does that make sense? So, so there's two spheres there. There's the the the, the, the world, the government, and the, the church. Uh, and so the head of the church is Jesus, the mediator. He's the heir of all things, judge of the world. So there we go. So prophet, priest, king. You see, there's a ton of footnotes here. Uh, B, uh, it says he is the, uh, well, he's the uh, prophet there in Acts 3.22. Hebrews has him as the priest. I mean, really, you could, you could list almost all my, every verse in Hebrews for the priest. I mean, that is a major theme of Hebrews. They pick five, five through six. And then for king, you've got the, the very uh, well-known Psalm 2. Uh, you know, the, the king born in Luke 1, 33. Uh, so you've got a lot of places you could go to talk about that. So prophet, priest, and king. So I'll ask guys, what, um, uh, how does fulfilling these roles benefit you in your day-to-day life, that Christ fulfills those roles as the mediator? Anybody got any thoughts on that? One of those particularly resonate with you today. Which uh, which of these roles of the mediator really resonate with you on the day to day? Sometimes you, I I can only speak mm-hmm. for myself. You take it down to help keep access your conscience. You know, and so and and so you, when you say conscience, you're saying he uh, he um, right like prophet work there, and telling you, for instance. 
this is correct behavior and this is incorrect behavior. This is sinful. This is unru- this is righteous. So when you hear uh, the the echo of the scripture, this would be the you would say the spirit of Christ uh, would be uh, working with mediating. Him. Yeah, mm-hmm. helping me to make those right choices. Yeah, so so, so you would say that if you don't have His Word, you would be lost in revelation of what God wants for you, right? If you don't have that, you, you, have, you have no idea, really. And so I, I think of the, the time I'm talking to a lady who's like, who knows I'm a minister and I'm Christian, and she's like, well, that must be a God thing. And, and, and then he's like, wait a minute, well, is that a God thing or not? I'm not sure what a God thing is. Like, so like, that was just like the most honest moment of like, we, we talk like we know what God is, but we, if we don't get it from a source, uh, how do we know what he, what he, what he, what he wants for us? So he is our, pre, our prophet in that regard. That's an interesting one. Uh huh. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you, we cultivate a biblical worldview, biblical world <laughs> life view. So that's a big point. So, it, how are we going to do that without a prophet, uh, the prophet? Yeah. I good one. Mediator, like, um, maybe interceding for me, like, yeah. In prayer. Yeah. Um, sometimes I don't know exactly what to pray for, or sometimes, I mean, my prayer is lacking. Yeah. And intercedes for me. He ever lives to intercede for us, right? Ever lives to intercede for us. His, his, uh, he, he testifies to us, he, our, for, to us, or for, to the Lord for our sake and, and brings uh, good prayer requests for our sake as our priest. So his priesthood doesn't end when he offers up or lays down his life, lays down his life for our sake at the cross, but he continues as living forevermore priest mediating for us in that regard bringing us to the presence of God because we're spiritually united to him so we exist in the same way a priest would go into the tabernacle or temple once a year to, to make the big day of atonement sacrifice uh, the people would go in he had a you know uh, you know the, the the 12 tribes you know uh, em, em, embroidered on his uh, robes so he's going on on behalf of the tribes, the people of God, uh, we have a, a, a true mediator, one that's not sinful and one who is, uh, who truly represents us to the, to the, to the Lord, the Father in his presence. So we're there with him big time. It's big. So and his kingship. His kingship. It's so important. Oh, to get, give, give me some. Yeah. Don't you think about that every day? He's in control yeah. of everything. Yeah. The bad things that happen to us, the good things that happen to us. It's all. He's king of kings. Yeah. Lord of lords. Yeah. So. He, I think think about that. Does that does that relieve you from anxiety? Oh sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, I'm sure I'm not going to get it right all. I know I'm not going to get it right. right all the time, but I can look towards him. He's making the tough the decisions. King, king. Yeah, right. yeah. He's, he's he's keeping it, holding it all together as the as the un, infallible king, the one we can trust. He's never going to leave us. Never going to die. Never going to move on. He's always going to rule. And rain. So those are those are big points. So day to day, those are very relevant. So mediator, prophet, priest, king, all very necessary for us today. Um, what about um, Ephesians five twenty three? Can anyone pull that up real fast? It should be in the your. Husband is the head of the wife. Christ is the head of the church, and he is the savior of the body. Yeah. So he's the head of the church and savior of the body. So, so what, what like that, that uses the, 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 
description of marriage, biblically speaking, and applies that to Christ and our relationship to Him as His bride. So how does, how does that um, shape your service in the church? Right? We are to, in the same way as a bride, we would serve our husband, right? We would uh, obey, honor, outdo him in showing honor, right? We're going to seek to outdo Christ in showing honor. Well, that's wild. I mean, like to, to outdo, like that's what, that's what it tells us to do is, as uh, serving one another. But he, you, take, you bring that down, he's going to honor us. And, and it even goes on to say, he washes us with his word to present us as radiant without fault, without blemish, without any, 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 uh, anything wrong with us. He's going to make us more glorious and beautiful. So, so considering that, we commit ourselves to the church because it's His means of doing that for us. Uh, we love the church because Christ works in the church to beautify His bride and, and to um, present us more glorious. Uh, it's beautiful. Uh, wonderful stuff there. So the only head and, and savior of the church, as the uh, as the, the model of marriage, biblically speaking, would would, would talk about. Uh, how does your faith in Jesus as your mediator directly impact how you how you we think of death? Death. death. Well, we don't need to fear it. Yeah. Because. You know, he's brought us into the right relationship with Christ. Yeah. Or God given us his righteousness. Yeah. Um, it says, look at the third line of section one. It says, he's a judge of the world unto whom, this is God, did give him from all eternity a people to be his seed. So, uh, and, and to be by him in time, redeemed, called, justified, sanctified, glorified. That's that golden chain of salvation as they call it and that is the uh that's the the certainty that uh we will be his forevermore and he will be ours so there, there's a a giving a covenant of redemption if you will a giving and receiving of the people of god through the work of the trinity uh, and so there's a there's an eternal security there that we have so death does not mean the end of that because god is triumphed over death in the in the resurrection of his son and we are secure Wonderful stuff. Okay, so next uh, next question I have for you is, uh, okay, so uh, why should we understand the, the church to be a gift from the Father to the Son? Anybody got a thought on that? The church is a gift from the Father to the Son. Does that make any sense to you guys? Uh, I think that, yeah, go ahead. Well, Scripture tells you that the Father gave mm -hmm. the people yeah. to the Son. Yeah. So you connect that with the, the, the bride of Christ. And so he's like, in a, you think of an arranged marriage, you know, and so he's like, yeah. this is who I'm giving to you. You know, and you think of Hosea, he says, go and love, go and love a woman who's a, who's a scandalous woman, right? Uh, you know, but, but, you know, the thing is, is that that, that story is transcended in Christ because Christ takes a scandalous woman and makes her glorious. You know, that's a, so, so we, don't, we don't live as a scandalous woman. Uh, he is declared us to be righteous, and, and he destroys sin 
that we might be re- rescued from it. So there's a, it's a, it's a beautiful picture that Christ, uh, you know, I think it was Jonathan Edwards who, who talked about why create anything. Well, God wants to expand his glory and share it with all creation. And, and, and he has enough, he has enough glory for himself. He's com- completely content, but he creates in order to, to share his love, his beauty with all of creation, his people, and, and ultimately give his son a bride. That's, a, that's a, something he's going to give to the son. So it's, a, it's an interesting thought that Edwards had. Uh, no one knows the answer to that question, right? But the answer is for his glory, but then the, you know, the particulars are, okay, so we don't really know. But number, uh, let's look at number two, section two. The son of God, the second person in the Trinity, being very and eternal God of one substance, and equal with the Father, did when the fullness of time was come, take upon him man's nature with all the essential properties and common infirmities thereof, yet without sin, being conceived by the power of the Holy Ghost in the power of the, in the womb of the Virgin Mary of her substance, so that the, whole, the two whole perfect and distinct natures, the Godhead and the manhood, were inseparably joined together in one person without conversion, composition, or confusion, which person is very God and very man, yet one Christ and only one mediator between, uh, the only one mediator between God and man. You see they have a slew of footnotes there again. Uh, and so uh, this is, uh, may, this may be, some of this language might be unfamiliar to us, but this is very common in a lot of ways. It's uh, a fleshing out of the, uh, the, the, the phrase in the Apostles' Creed, right? It's a, yeah, he was born of the Virgin Mary, right? And what does that all mean? Well, early church was trying to wrestle with uh, the, the, the natures of Christ, two natures in one man. They call it the hypostatic union, that, they're, uh, that it's, you know, they're not mixed, they're not confused, they're not commingled, but they're distinct natures, divine and human, fully divine, not halvesy, but fully divine, fully human. So God in Christ becomes man takes on manhood uh, a good uh, scripture to talk about that would probably be philippians 2 uh, looking at 5 and following uh, the, philippians 2 6 is footnoted here so you might uh, look down the page if you have it uh, and if you want to look it up it says who being jesus who being in the form of god thought it not robbery to be equal with god so he's in the form of God. He is likeness of God. He is going to uh, add to himself, take on human nature. So without ceasing to be God, he adds to himself human nature, which is a humiliation. That's a that's a, 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 a taking on the created uh, as the creator. So that's a that's a that's the uh, the, the way that works is God in Christ becomes man not man becoming God that's how that works it's not a it's not a man working his way up to God but but God coming down to us in the person of the meteor taking on weakness to becoming a true uh, baby in the womb of the Virgin Mary uh, of her substance truly human just like us true reasonable body and soul uh, and so uh, holy perfectly human uh, as adam was prior to the fall yeah, who is jesus father uh, there is no earthly father he is adopted by joseph but he is he is divine he is uh, miraculously conceived uh, in the womb of the virgin mary 
human DNA, real human DNA, but he's missing the human father. So that's the, the thing. Is he, he, is, he is avoiding the corruption of sin, though being completely united to humanity uh, as a, uh, a mediator to, to represent us. Okay. So uh, Galatians 4.4. 4. Has anyone, someone pulled that one up? Four, four. Who's got it? Read it for us, if you will, Dell. Uh, when the set time had fully come, God sent His Son, born of a woman, born under the law. Thank you. Yeah, that's it. So, uh, born under the law. So Jesus, uh, it's very important that He be truly born of the woman and truly born under the law. Why is that so important? Right. Tim, you got a thought on that. Um, Love to hear from you. I guess um, my first thought would be he, if he wasn't born under the law, then like the law, like, he had to fulfill fulfill the law. Mm-hmm. So it's important to know that he was born under the law. So um, say this. Um, you know, fulfilling the law in our place like the standard the law was still there Mm -hmm, it mm -hmm. wasn't um it had not gone away Mm -hmm. um it was still there Um, oh because adam didn't yeah yeah adam did so so maybe maybe god was like okay so some people might think yeah so 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 some people might think well okay so that was too hard so i'm just going to make it different i'm going to change it up and i'm gonna make it like okay forget all that law stuff just believe just have faith and that's like a substitute for the law right so, so, but what the basis of our uh, salvation and justification is that we have a true righteousness that Christ earned. He actively obeyed the law for us so that God could be just in pardoning us and receiving us as his own people because we have a real righteousness that's been earned. God's not just like grading on the curve. He's actually truly declaring us to be righteous on the basis of a substitute represented another. So Adam didn't do it, Christ did. So he's keeping the law. And Christ validates the law. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The importance of the law. Yeah. You know, yeah. He says, I'm not here to replace yeah. it. You know, I'm I'm here to validate the Correct. law, but also to redeem you. Yeah. Right. The law because you can't live up to the law. Do you know where that is uh, located, where he says that? To redeem. To no, I'm, I'm, t- I'm thinking particularly about the yeah, Sermon on the Mount. New, new, yeah. yeah. So, so Matthew new, yeah. 5, 17 through 20. Yeah. I didn't come to abolish it. I came to fulfill it. Right. Yeah. yeah. So he says, if your righteousness doesn't exceed that of the Pharisees, you, know, you have to be righteous. And so, in other words, I have to, I have to become your righteousness. I have to be your righteousness. So that, and he, he was baptized so that the, all righteousness might be fulfilled. Uh, so all these things, he, he was circumcised on the eighth day. He was all the things that the law required so that he could be our righteousness. Uh, and so he didn't need to be, uh, he didn't have any corruption of his own. You know, he, he is keeping the law for our sake. But his, his corruption that was his was ours. Uh, he bore our sins in his body. That's why he had to be truly human, right? He had to bear our sins, but he had to be truly divine because no person could bear that weight uh, and bear that, that load for all people. So you had to have, have the infinite personhood of God 
uh, in the union with the, the infinite person of God to, to bear the infinite wrath uh, for our sake. So he has to be both human and both divine, fully so, as one person. Okay? Um, so why do we believe that Jesus is such a thing? Why do we believe that he's fully God and why do we believe that Jesus is fully man? The Bible makes a big deal about it is the answer. The Bible says so. The Bible says so. And you can look at the at section two's uh, um, you know, footnotes there where it goes through each of these statements. Like think of Romans 1, 3 through 4, uh, 1 Timothy 2, 5, which we read at the outset of class. All of these uh, speak to the necessity of a mediator between God and man who is both God and man. That's the issue. We need a go-between. So God comes to us, and then we go to him through Christ. All right? Let's read this last section, and we'll wrap it up. It says, uh, section 3, The Lord Jesus in his human nature, thus united to the divine, was sanctified and anointed with the Holy Spirit above measure, having in him all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge, in whom it pleased the Father that all fullness should dwell. To the end, that being holy, harmless, and undefiled, and full of grace and truth, he might be thoroughly furnished to execute the office of a mediator and surety, which office he took unto himself, but was thereunto called by his Father, who put all power and judgment into his hand, and gave him commandment to execute the same. So why is it so important that they, they mention this, that, that Jesus was united, uh, having this human nature united to the divine? Okay. That he was sanctified and anointed with the Holy Spirit above measure. That the Holy Spirit plays a role in his uh, work as the mediator. How is that so important, you think? Because it allows us to be redeemed. Yeah. I mean, when you read Galatians a little bit further down, in verse 6, uh -huh. it says, And because you were sons, God has sent forth the Holy Spirit yeah. of His Son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. Yeah. Therefore, you were no longer a slave, but a son. Yeah. And if a son, then an heir of God through yeah. Christ. Yeah, so, so the Spirit teaches us of what Christ has done and convinces our hearts, changes our hearts. He washes our hearts. He gives us new hearts. takes out the old hearts. So, but, that, that's, so he, but He operates differently with me. He operates differently with me than He operated with the Son. He gave him the, 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 uh, the Spirit without measure, above measure, uh, having him all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So he has, I ha he has a Spirit in a way I do not. Uh, he, has, uh, he has been uh, anointed in this way uh, so that he would be completely immovable in this work for me. So, so the Spirit assists the Lord. You, you notice uh, the, uh, the, the part where... Jesus is baptized, and then it says he was led into the wilderness by the Spirit. The Spirit leads him to do the work of mediator work that, that he's going to do for us, going into the wilderness to face Satan. So he does that. He, he guides and, and, and strengthens the Lord Jesus throughout all of his ministry as the mediator, and then raises him from the dead on the third day. So there's the work of the Spirit for our redemption and the work of the mediator working together. Um, okay, that might be confusing you guys. Anyone confused by that or have any questions? All right. Seeing none, uh, we're going we're gonna to continue this uh, track next week.
Uh, really important stuff, guys. I know it's uh, just basic Christ uh, theology here. Super important. I want to get into more practical application next week uh, of this. But very important stuff to know about Jesus. Why, why do you think it is so important to have a, a lengthy chapter on Jesus? It's important. They have all the things you could talk, talk about in studying the Scriptures. That's the center of it, right? So we're going to look at Christ again next week. With that said, let's pray and we'll wrap up our time this morning. Our Heavenly Father, we thank You that we have a, a mediator who is both fully God and fully man, joined together inseparably in one person without conversion, composition, or confusion. We thank You that this very one man, the, and, uh, the only mediator, is our salvation, is our Redeemer, is our King, Priest, Prophet, and our Head and Savior. So we thank You for His work for us. We give you the glory that in him uh, and through him and, and to him are all things. And we ask that you would lead us into worshiping your son today as we do this uh, again for your glory in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. All right, let's get to it, guys.